and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello and welcome back to IRI's Growth Insights Podcast. In today's Fresh Perspectives with Jana and Sally, we'll be talking about opportunities for sustainability-minded shoppers. I'm joined by Sally Lyons-Wyatt, IRI's EVP, Center of Store and Produce Vertical, and Jana Parker, Principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence. Jana and Sally recently teamed for a webinar on this topic, so much more content and some excellent visuals are available on our website iriworldwide.com. Welcome, ladies. Um, Sustainability is complex. It's social, it's economic, it's environmental. So today, you're going to share why investing in sustainability and transparency is a winning strategy for Fresh. So what is it that you're seeing that says now? Like, why are we talking about this now? What's interesting is we've been talking about it for almost six years as part of Top Trends and Fresh, but it evolved with COVID and it's also evolving with younger generations as well. So all the research has showed us that Gen Z and millennials are much more attuned and very much looking for um, how products are grown, where were they grown, how are they packaged, the packaging and um, materials that are used, ingredients, if um, you're talking about something that might have more than one ingredient, if you will. And what's happened through COVID is this heightened sense of awareness around all of that information. And now there are more consumers actually looking and stating that not uh, stating their attitudes about, yes, I'm looking for, you know, products that were grown locally, organic, non-GMO, but now it's even getting into a broader set, which I know we're going to talk about maybe in regards to fair, fair trade or, you know, being humane. And so with that, you have, we've started to see an uptick in products across the store, but even in fresh that are really gaining momentum not just with younger generations, but across all generations, which is really opening up the ass for the industry, which is why we made it its own platform for the webinar. And John, I know you have additional thoughts too. Yeah, you know, I think the reasoning is it's, as Sally just said, the transparency also comes from how much more we're cooking and eating at home. And we cook and eat at home much more. We're spending more time thinking about what is going into our bodies. And I'd say especially the most recent parts of the year. We also talked last time about health and wellness and why that's so top of mind right now is because people gained weight during the pandemic. They were pretty sedentary. And I think also, again, to Sally's point, there was that need for transparency. But I'd say that the reason why we'll always talk about it, whether now or um, in the past and in the future, is 
the eco-friendly consumer, that consumer really interested in natural and willing to change their purchases and where they buy because of those attributes, that consumer really overspends in fresh foods, not just produce, but all of fresh foods. They're actually much more likely to have always made their food at home. They're much more likely to spend on higher quality and higher benefits, in their opinion, products. And therefore, you know, the fact we shared on the webinar that really even astounded me as I put the research together was roughly the, the folks who are most engaged and willing to change their behavior because of sustainability attributes, roughly 19% of the population. However, they spend their 27% of the fresh food spending. So that's an eight point fair share cap, as we like to say in the industry, that really, I think, you know, wowed me. And even, you know, despite thinking about it now, and as Sally said, we've always, talk, we've always talked about it, but that group is increasingly engaged and drives so much dollars for these departments. Well, and two, Sally mentioned that a lot of these are younger consumers, so they're super influential. They're still pretty young in their whole shopping journey of a lifetime. So that's going to just increase, I would anticipate, right? I definitely think it will. And I, you know, the other piece that also came forward is during COVID when we had supply issues and we still have them, right? Where there were meat shortages and then there was chicken shortages and um, it really made consumers start to question more around where where do I get my meat from? Where do I get my vegetables from? And and so the consumer that um, that John has been talking about, that eco friendly consumer, they almost were validated during this and started to spend even more. Like been saying this. And then they're bringing more and influencing others through social and digital media as well. I think real quick, there's a cultural component to it too, because especially in the produce industry, but I think overall in the in, in cross of it, that consumers recognized it takes a lot of people to put the product on the shelf and then ultimately on their plate. And so when the shortages were driven by worker conditions, and I think there's been a lot around that, it, it, as well as about the animal welfare, really just people thought more about the supply chain. They thought more about how that food is getting to them. And it did cr increase the heightened awareness. But I think the fact that so much of it was driven by the workers in the plants and shortages of them being healthy, I think did make consumers take pause. So there's two different avenues that you've just sparked with me. And that is Sally had mentioned, you know, things like chicken shortages and challenges with meats um, supply chain. So I, I'm curious about what are some of the sustainability characteristics across those different departments? But then, Jenna, you just raised another question, you know, in talking about something that goes across every department, and that is some of the more social elements of, you know, fair trade or, um, you know, fair wages, um, how workers are being treated. So let's, can we, can we talk about different, those two different pillars? One is what is resonating overall? And then if there's something specific to a different department. You know, one of the things that we did as we were preparing for this was talking about what is just 
ubiquitous at this point, right? We called it table stakes. And I think, you know, this movement, we talked about it six years ago, and we think about it top of mind, the words organic and local come up time and time again. But those are two words that whatever spectrum of type of store you have, or whatever spectrum of type of brand you have or product you have, having an organic and or transparency or local type locale, um, that's everywhere now. I mean, some of the more discount grocers have the most robust organic programs. So, you know, as we look across, I think so often the industry would say, I'm, I'm in fresh, which first of all does give the consumer an air of more, um, you know, part of the sustainability movement just by being fresh as opposed to packaged or, or manufactured. But I think we have to move beyond just thinking it's organic and transparent location. Um, but those are definitely the kind of table stakes pieces. And then in the meat department, of course, you know, it is about health and, and treatment of the animal. Um, but specifically, you know, I think feed type has now also become ubiquitous, grass fed, veg fed. And a lot of it for those kind of table stakes pieces, I think we're looking at the egg industry as kind of our our North Star. It is part of the, the fresh family of, although it isn't often thought of when we think of fresh, people think of produce or meat. But if you think about the egg industry in the last five years now, claims about how the chickens are kept make up about 25% of the entire category. Whereas in meat, how, you know, if we just take beef, for example, grass fed is less than 5% of the total beef consumption. So you definitely see how those kinds of transparency pieces are table stakes. But to your point about what's emerging, it does go all the way back to both how the farm or the plant conditions are both for the animal, right? Um, especially meat and seafood, a lot more about animal welfare, a lot of transparency and QR codes, able to trace it in some cases back to the plot of land. And, you know, I know of certain brands where they're literally naming the chickens or the um, or the cows and giving them a personification to help you just feel a little bit better. We talk a lot in meat about permissibility, and that helps you feel a little bit better about eating. But I think it's it's on both sides. It's about fair wage and, you know, how that farm or, you know, workers treated. But we're also seeing some really interesting things um, in some of the um, brands, especially in bakery, where it, obviously they have a package to communicate a lot more. But we're starting to see things about giving back, employing at-risk youth, employing um, you know, underprivileged. And I really think 2020, we talked so much earlier in this podcast about what 2020 did for our thinking about health and what goes in our bodies, but it also did so much culturally to make us aware of different socio and economic concerns in this country. And I think that is playing in, just starting to play in to the food in the grocery store. And we've already seen it a bit in fresh, which is a great place since, you know, yes, there's a lot of people employed in the traditional packaged goods industry, but it takes an absolute army to get the, you know, to get the food and fresh to the plate. You know, that's an you know, interesting thing because um, we, I have heard of so many more retailers investing in their um, supplier network to be more um, diverse. But you just raised a really interesting point that I don't think so much about those fresh purveyors and how much harder it would be to kind of onboard them into a supply chain um, because they have a much shorter shelf life. So that is, and I guess that goes back to that whole local too. You know, if it's local, 
it'll be a lot easier to um, bring in. But that's really an excellent point. And one other aspect of this is, and it comes right, kind of nice little parlay into what you just said, John, which is around the packaging. So we see across food and beverage, just consumers looking and purchasing products that are either recyclable packaging or they are recycled or they have some sort of biodegradability to them. What makes it harder is what we just talked about. Some of the packaging is done in store for the different fresh departments. And that creates a little more complexity. It could be that the materials are recycled, but not necessarily called out. And part of what we talked about is get credit for it. And if you're not, then find ways in which to use more biodegradable or more recycled type packaging and then talk about it because, you know, they're very busy in trying to cut the meat and get it packaged up and send it out. Not so much busy on trying to do that. And I think if they did, it's a great opportunity for the industry to take credit for some things that they're already doing, but then to maybe even look for those suppliers that can provide them with those packaging materials that are going to meet the needs of what consumers are looking and purchasing. And I think this is a great plug for using your social network to to get that word out. Because like you said, you know, the different messages for packages are challenging enough. Um, But, and signage in the store would probably be good. But I think that, you know, posting it socially, which is where so many people are getting their information and shopping anyway, um, would be the place to go. Yeah, the last leg of this, in a such a wide spectrum or a wide mount of different claims and important pieces is food waste, biodegradability of packaging, right? I mean, it is top of mind. There have been studies that now because we were home so much and consuming so much, people are more aware now than they maybe were two, three years ago of how much packaging they go through and how much food can be wasted. And I think that that is an important piece when it comes to fresh, because a lot of different things, again, are colliding at once. In one case, especially in the produce or the bulk bakery, even the deli department, folks were, you know, you could control how much you buy, right? That was one of the benefits of the random weight portions of this category is you can pick through several size packages of ground beef, or you can ask exactly how much deli meat to slice. And honestly, that is one of the reasons why folks who've been eco-friendly have been more likely to go fresh for years. But I think as we get into the kind of this new era, right, this new decade of marketing and retail, one of the interesting things about the pandemic that happened at the same time was consumers wanted less touching themselves store staff and other consumers. And so I know we saw in the produce department an actual slight increase, about three to four percent points in packaging. Consumers also like communication. So in addition to store signage, as you talked about, in addition to on pack, I think there's so much we could do digitally right? QR codes. People are even much more familiar with QR codes, opening up a world of information now that most restaurants have had to utilize them. And that idea behind being transparent and using the package for purpose, using the display for purpose, and then the last piece, using your digital areas for purchase. 
online grocery shopping right now is potentially a way consumers view to control how much you buy and bring it right into the store. And as we know, in that infinite aisles of e-commerce, you can have a click through that talks about the farm, talks about, you know, I think so much, for example, in the deli doesn't get credit for a lot of the work that they're doing um, around ingredient sourcing and transparency. And that's been a barrier for a lot of consumers that we could bust through by utilizing digital and utilizing more communication. We're doing great things as this industry, just not getting the credit, as Sally said. So I want to ask a little bit um, about some of the products um, themselves. You mentioned eggs, Jana, but are there other, like, can you kind of go around the fresh perimeter and give us some examples of um, products that really are resonating with these sustainably minded shoppers? You could go into every single department and find find an example. And um, we just had a chain uh, open up a brand new store in, in my neighborhood. And there's variety of peaches, just as an example. And the different peaches had different backgrounds, if you will. So the signage really did zero in on different aspects that would appeal to different consumer segments. So it was brilliantly done because it provided a, a peach almost for everyone, right? And when you think about it, if you walk through, whether it's the fruits, the vegetables, the meat, the seafood, there is almost something for everyone. I mean, think about just in the beef department and the varieties, whether, and John had talked about there's grass-fed beef or there might be someone that, that had some sort of new feeding that was environmentally safe and safer than something else. Like they'll talk to you about the different ways in which they're feeding the animals, how they're taking care of the animals. Um, when you're in the meat department, when you're in the seafood, it is whether or not they were caught in the ocean or whether they were in a sustainable farm those are all things talked about. So we see it across all of Fresh. And it is done at a varying degrees to try and appeal to these different consumer segments that are quite frankly looking for a little different, you know, versus maybe their neighbor. Absolutely. Again, I think it comes back to permissibility. And Sally hit on a couple things with it, right? There's a younger consumer, about 10% of the entire population are these what we call kind of true believer consumers who are young and one of their moments of getting much more engaged in eco-friendliness is that they have children in the home. And we talk, you know, I think that's such a trigger moment where folks want to understand where are things coming from and you know, if you're not telling me, it makes me concerned. And as Sally said, I think the meat, you know, definitely the produce department has embraced local transparency. It, it, you know, in, in some cases it was the easiest for it too. I think that peach example is fantastic. But I think about the meat department a lot and how often, and the deli department and the bakery department, and how often we kind of take for granted that these departments have extremely high reach, right? There's almost every single household buys something from these departments. And yet, as we've seen in almost every cat other category in the store, like wine, like ice cream, like, um, you know, certainly when it comes to now hair care, even there's so much personal personalization, so much you feeling like this segment of this, you know, these products are for my unique needs. And yet we don't do that enough 
in the meat department and especially in the deli department. We're kind of using the core of size and flavor to trigger purchases. And I think we're leaving dollars on the table. I think consumers want and need that kind of personalization. The example being, you know, we do see, and it's still in very kind of fringe, natural forward retailers, but this concept of the traceability of this is the livestock, right? This is the full ingredient list. And oh, by the way, we've been limiting certain no-no things. Now, some of that actually was because retailers were saying, don't bring these ingredients to me more than the manufacturers pushing it. But I think the thing that really, again, astounded me as we're putting this together is yes, when I walk into a natural and sustainable and organic banner of a retailer, of course, I'm expecting to see all those things. But the majority of these consumers I talked about which again is two out of 10, 20% of the population, they are engaged in traditional grocery and they're going to mass and super centers. So why make them think that they have to check their ideas behind this at the door when they walk into one of these more traditional banners? I think there's so much that we could do to say, other than just this is the organic section, you know, here's permissibility and feel good about your purchases because I've curated them for you. And I think that would actually halo out to a lot more consumers than we realize. There are retailers that are out there that um, absolutely do exactly what you said. So you got there when you were talking because I was like, oh, but I've seen some that are doing it, but you're right. It's more the mainstream retailers that have an opportunity to continue to evolve. And it's and to also find a potential to lead because of the reach that they have and the abilities because of their scale to really leapfrog some of those specialty or some of those more progressive retailers. They could leapfrog if they take a stance on a few of these different aspects that we've been sharing, whether it is telling more about the products and making sure that the ingredients um, you know, they have in the meat case, they put together some chicken stuffed chicken breast, right? Or they might have a pork that they've marinated and really outlining all the ingredients and potentially where those meats came from in such a way that's presented in such a way that is fun and unique and engaging. Because at the end of the day, all of this is all about how to reach the consumer but then engaging with them in order to be able to entice them to buy. The, the mainstream retailers have an amazing opportunity to continue to evolve because they've done a nice job at getting the table stakes. They've done a really nice job with that. It's just now taking it to that next level of where Jonna was talking about and we were talking about earlier, Joan, to really make it more table stakes to go deeper it's just taking that one step to go a bit deeper and the reach of what they're going to be able to have with consumers is going to be even greater. Yeah. You know, I know this is a, a long game, but I feel it's it's especially relevant now because we've identified more meal occasions. We know people are going to be working from home more. We are more aware, as Jana said, of what we're generating in, in terms of waste and trash and stuff. So now is a great time to, you know, step it up, even small steps. It's worth the investment in transparency and sustainability for these shoppers, particularly because as we've outlined, and I'm recapping here, they're younger consumers, 
um, really leverage some of those digital opportunities, get those sustainability messages out, um, tell the stories because we all love that, that connection. It's a deeper connection. And then I think you mentioned too, like a lot of these claims, the top claims like recyclable, um, you know, things around packaging and reuse, those are table stakes, but the, the, the emerging issues are more social. Um, with fair treatment of workers, and it goes across the entire Fresh department. It goes across the whole store, um, but it's especially relevant in in Fresh because it's kind of like the hidden. It's not as relevant on packaging. So with that, um, thank you so much for your time and your insights, and I will look forward to our next um, Fresh Perspectives with Jana and Sally. Thanks, Thanks so John. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.